0: Hey, what's going on, Warrior? Welcome to podcast episode 467. It's Jeff here from Warrior Life, back after taking a break for the last month or so to work on our homesteading project. I probably should have had an email or something that we were taking our first break in nine years of podcasting because we got a bunch of emails in asking if we were still putting out episodes, so I'm sorry for ghosting on y'all. There was way more to do than I thought there was for this phase of our project, and this is all relatively new territory for me, so it's definitely taken longer than I thought it would as well. There's only so many hours in the day, so something had to go on the chopping block and the podcast just happened to be it. So to update you on our homestead, we've been fixing up the main house first, and the next step is to start getting our raised bed gardens together, mostly based on the advice from my friend Marjorie Wildcraft, who just did a special workshop with us on this topic. Um, And I've been a mad tear in getting connected with some of the other homesteaders that are out there to learn from their experiences as well. Like this week's guest on our show, who is a fifth generation homesteader and has really an amazing amount of information for newbies like me. One of the areas that I'm really digging into is our backup medicine plan and how to grow and use herbs in place of over-the-counter and prescription medicines when none might be available. Perfect timing for this because my guest this week is also doing a follow-up free workshop this week on building out your herbal medicine cabinet. So if you like this episode and you want to learn more about this critical area of your survival medicine plan, make sure that you go to warriorlifeready.com slash herbs and that's going to give you access to this training as well. And now, on with the show. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. So most people don't know this, but... In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, I know people are tired of hearing about Hurricane Katrina, but it's a really good example of some of the realities of when disaster disasters happen or an infrastructure collapses wherever there isn't a, a resupply. But in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, there was a reported 50% increase in the death rate of the people that were affected by it, but not because of the hurricane itself or from a lack of food or water it was from people not being able to get the medicine that they needed. Now think about that for a second, all right? So if if you're currently taking any long-term medications, like insulin, blood pressure medications, anything like that, your supplies could instantly be wiped out with no resupply coming at all. Or imagine not being able to get access to medical attention if you or someone you love is injured or becomes seriously ill. Ordering long-term prescriptions now, while you can, is is a really good first step. And there's a lot of people that are out there doing that and hoarding things like antibiotics, like fish mocks and other alternative ways that you can find antibiotics and things like that. It's like all of that is perfectly in line with what you should be doing. But there's more to it than that. Now remember, if infrastructure goes down, pharmacies are most likely not going to be open. And if they are, they're probably looted down to nothing. Hospitals are going to be crowded. And literal germ factories pretty much, and even local doctors and first responders, they can't be counted on for your medical attention when you need it the most. So that's why it's up to you to be your own doctor, your own medicine man, your own medicine woman, just like in the Little House in Prairie days. And I know that might sound like it's a little bit impossible, but it's really not that hard to turn everyday herbs and plants into super strong medicines that can take the place of expensive prescription meds that you and your family might need and to prove it i have just the expert here joining us who is going to show us how simple it can be to be your own doctor or pharmacy during times when medical attention isn't available hey there what's going on everybody this is uh, jeff anderson here from warrior life and with me today to talk about your home-based herbal medicine cabinet is melissa norris melissa welcome to the program
1: Hey, Jeff, I'm excited to be here. And I don't know if I shared this with you beforehand, but I actually was a pharmacy tech for 18 years. So when you were talking about supply and stocking up, what was fascinating, Now I've not been in pharmacy for five years now, I've retired from pharmacy, but we would have medications that we would order all the time. You know, 500 count bottles, thousand count bottles of different things, medications that had been out for a really long time. And we would go to order them and it would just say out of stock. And then a month later, it would just say, we just never could get that medication again. And so sometimes you could just find a different manufacturer of it if it was generic. Other times we would have to go to the doctor and say, hey, we have to find an alternative medication for this patient because this drug is just no longer available and it would never come back in. So I don't say that to scare people, but that was pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, pre-anything. Pre-any- there was no supply chain issues at that time but that's the very real state of actually the pharmaceutical drug system in the US. So what you're saying is not just necessarily during an emergency situation like with a hurricane or supply chain issues with pandemic, everything that would go along with that, uh, but just in reality. So having a plan in place on how you can treat yourself and being in in control of that is really important, no matter if you live in an area that gets hurricanes or earthquakes or whatever natural disasters may befall you. It's something that should be front of mind and that you should be dealing with. So I'm really excited that we're having this conversation and talking about herbs because, as you said, uh, I have livestock as well, and in (laughs) June 2023, so just a few months ago at the time of this recording, you actually are no longer able to buy antibiotics even for livestock like you used to be at the feed store. I could go in and get penicillin. There were some different prescription antibiotic medications that you could get without a prescription for livestock use. And it's been that way for decades. However, in June of this year, they pulled those off the shelf. So you can get them if you have a prescription from a vet still. So they are still available, but you have to have a vet. You have to get a prescription. There's that downtime. So our accessibility even to outside or out of the box thinking as far as antibiotics go in the animal realm, that was that was taken away in June of 2023. So just important to know these things if you were relying on that previously, it was kind of quietly, quietly done. A lot of people don't did not know that they would, could no longer go and get those medications until they need them and they show up at the store and they're like, oh sorry, we we don't <laughs> have those anymore. So all of that to say too When we're talking about superbugs and antibiotic use, I completely understand we've had a massive overuse of antibiotics. That's why we have resistant superbugs. We've got them. They've been used as blanket treatments when they weren't needed. That's a whole nother soapbox podcast episode. But the reality is there is a lot of herbal medicine and plants that we can use that not only treat symptoms. And I say that because a lot of our pharmaceutical medications, and even over-the-counter medications, they treat a specific symptom. They don't actually help your body to heal from the said disease. You're more in management mode, which in some cases, you know, that is a, I'm not against all pharmaceuticals, (laughs) though I do no longer work in pharmacy. But I, I share that because when you look at our herbs they can actually aid your body to do what your body wants to do. Your body is naturally designed to heal itself. That's why if we get a cut, our body is going to try and heal itself. So if we can give the body what it needs, it's actually really amazing. The sad thing is is like in the last 100 years with the rise of pharmaceutical, a lot of people just don't know about using herbs a lot of that information has been kind of lost in a sense. And it's just not something that people see practiced. And if you don't see something practiced, you might not even realize that it's an option or you see people who've tried it that maybe, and maybe even yourself who don't actually understand how the herbs work and how to do it correctly. And they don't get results and they're like, herbs don't work kind of like throw up your hands. Like, ah, none of that stuff works.
0: Yeah, I have. And that's, um, that's interesting. First of all, I, I want to say, um, I know I've got somebody passionate about a subject on when I haven't even introduced them to the audience. It's like you're already like off to the races with everything. Just want to just want to jump into it. But for those people that aren't familiar with your work, uh, listen, everybody out there uh, like Melissa um, has helped hundreds of thousands of people every month raise their own food and create a, a home a homemade and, and homegrown kitchen, um, garden, barnyard all through her website. Uh, her pop, and she has a very popular Pioneering Today podcast, uh, Pioneering Today Academy, and as well as books that she's put out there and some video courses as well. And she's co-founder of the Modern Homesteading Conference, as well as owner of Norris Homestead. She is a fifth generation homesteader. So this is something that's kind of like, uh, it's been in her blood. She really probably knows what she's doing. Probably had like chores like I did as a kid, where like chopping wood and going out there and doing the stuff that my friends didn't have to do any of this stuff, but um, but she's a fifth generation homesteader and lives with her husband and two kids in their own little house in the big woods in the foothills of the north cascade mountains and If you want to check out more of uh, Melissa and her work, you can go ahead and visit her online at melissa and we'll put a link for that in the uh, in, our, in our network as well um, and but you already Melissa you already started kind of in the um, the area you're talking about, because I think it is it's mystical for a lot of people, I think, in, in a lot of different ways. Right. Like pretty much everyone has heard of using herbs for boosting your health. Um, we know it's a natural alternative to prescription medications. Like these are things that people know in concept. Um, but I think there's a couple things that you touched on that I think are are big obstacles for people. So, number one, I think, how could it be better than a pill? Right. Because uh, we we've come to really know medications as being you know, prescription medications as being lifesavers, right? Like they can happen very instantly. And then I think a lot of people, like you said, have, have, they have taken herbs. And it's like, if you don't feel it, then maybe it's not working. It's like faith-based, it's kind of like vitamins, right? It's like, am I really like spending $20 a month on vitamins, like are they really doing anything? Because when I'm not spending $20, it doesn't feel any different. So like how much is faith and how much is, is it, it's actually working. And so with all of that said, when people say, "Like, come on, come on, Melissa, are, are 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 herbs really as effective as as medicine that's out there?" Like, what do you t- what do you say to people when they have that kind of challenge there and have to get over that hurdle?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a great question. I think it's a really valid point because I'll be—I didn't grow up in a house that used herbs. Now, we, my dad always raised our own beef cattle. Um, I learned how to drive a stick shift at eight years old because I was the last kid at home and dad needed to throw 30 bales of hay off the back of the truck every night. And I learned real fast, if you pop the clutch, it's not going to be a happy evening and you throw your dad off the back of the truck. <laughs> so, <laughs> I grew up homesteading and do-it-yourself and all of those things, raising our own food, but herbal medicine wasn't something that my mom had modeled for her. And we actually didn't have health insurance when I was growing up either. We kind of grew up poor. I just didn't know we were poor. (laughs) And so, you know, we just my, you know, if you got sick, the emergency room was never an option unless you were literally dying and never went to the emergency room as a kid. And we very infrequently went to the doctor. We only went, you know, when you really, really had to. But my mom didn't really use herbs. And so I, of course, at 18, went to pharmacy tech and started working at the pharmacy. And so really all I knew was traditional Western medicine, which most of American society does. And I started having some health issues in my late 20s. I ended up having my upper stomach and esophagus biopsy for cancer at 29 and thankfully it was benign I didn't have cancer but I had cellular change which is precursor to cancer and I had a good deal of erosion um, on my esophagus which you know can lead to a lot of different problems but here's the thing I was taking prescription medications up to six times a day at max doses and they were not fixing it and the specialist said you need to figure out how to control the stomach acid And it can't be with medications because you've already maxed out the doses that are allowed. You've been on them for too long. They're not fixing it anyhow. Or the next time you come into my office and we do a biopsy, you're not going to be so lucky. So I'm 29. I've got two little kids at home and a husband, And I'm basically told, you figure this out or you probably won't be here when your kids are old enough to graduate from high school or walk down the aisle. So that was a huge motivation. But I, I didn't even know where to start, so I looked at food. I'm like, I've got to, you know, I can't stay on these medicines, so I started to look at food. And Jeff, if you had told me at that time that I could completely heal myself just by changing the foods that I ate, not even talking herbs, just by the foods that I ate, until I went through it myself, I wouldn't have I believed you. I would have you. thought you were full of it. But within six months, I was off every single prescription medication, no symptoms, completely healed. And that has been 13 years and I've never went back on them. And so I thought if just changing my food could have that drastic of a change, when the pills prescriptions did nothing for me, what if I looked at herbs when we have cold and flu symptoms or we start to come down with things? Because if just my food was that powerful, what if I was actually using herbs as medicine? And so that was my trajectory to really start looking at herbs. And it was fascinating because with my pharmaceutical background, which gave me no herbal training, I want to be very clear, because Western medicine doesn't use herbs. In fact, when we had patients that would come into the pharmacy that were on herbs, because they do interact with certain medications, and that's something that you need to be aware of, we would have to actually look at the German e-commission because Germany does use herbs in their modern healthcare system. And so they've got studies and a lot of data that we can look at that you just can't find in the US because we don't track and we don't use them in the same manner. And so I knew that herbs could interact with medications and so I wanted to know on a scientific level, if I go to use these herbs, how is it exactly that they work within the body That way I can know if they're effective, I can know if they're dangerous. And then my daughter got diagnosed with Von Willebrand's disease um, as a toddler, which is a blood clotting disorder. And that means that I can't give her anything over the counter when she has a fever or a cough. Uh, None of those items were safe to give her with the exception of Tylenol, which honestly has never done anything for my family or myself. So I basically felt when my baby is sick, I literally have nothing that I can give them except chicken noodle soup in order to ease it. And I wasn't okay with that. As a mom or a parent, when your kids are sick and in pain and hurting, your, your number one thing is to try to ease that and to try to help them. And I felt helpless. So I decided that I was going to dive into herbs and figure out is there any that are actually will work against viruses like that actually have an effect that we can look at, see how they interact in the body. Are they safe for her because of her blood clotting disorder? And so I just dove head into it and it is amazing. There is actual studies, you have to dig really deep um, and get there just because if you're in the U.S. it's not something that we have easily accessible because we're not looking at them. But there's clinical studies that you can find on these herbs if you dig deep enough. And a lot of times it's looking outside the U.S. But clinical data, And it is fascinating. A lot of these herbs have true antiviral properties, which is incredible when we look at the cold and the flu, because those are viruses, right? And so there's really very little you can buy pharmaceutical anyways that works against viruses effectively but they're truly antiviral you have antibacteria you have immune stimulating you have expectorants so if you have a cough or cold where you have a lot of congestion and you need to loosen up especially phlegm in the lungs so that you can cough it out there's there's herbal, all of the things that you would go to grab on the shelf at the pharmacy or the colon cough aisle at your grocery store, you can find an herbal alternative. And not only that, but a lot of them have extra functions that actually help to support your immune system. So not only are they helping to attack that virus Or help you with the whatever symptom that you might be coming down with, if it's a spasm, when you're you know, you have that dry cough where you just kind of spasm cough all the time. Well, there's herbs that have antispasmodic qualities to them. So you can use those when you have that specific type of cough as well. But many of them also have the property that help your immune system. So not only is it going after that virus or helping alleviate that system, it's actually truly giving your body that boost to heal itself. Via the immune system by supporting that, and you do not get that when you take over-the-counter medicines from the store or even prescription medications. So, I get super excited if you can't tell <laughs> about
0: this subject. <laughs> yeah, <I do. laughs> no, that, that's great. That's great, and I, and I love it because like I I have to say I've been on the other side of that as well, right? Because I've taken, um, I was you know being really big in fitness after, especially after military. And I was a health coach for a while, and and uh, and and fitness coach and. And so supplements are always a big part of what people are, are trying to add to their, to their programs as well. And so you know for, for young guys, like, like me when I got started, it was like it was, how close can we get the steroids? That sort of thing, like when you want to build when you want to force your body to do something that, or like kind of, kind of put it on um, on the afterburners to, to do something your body is normally used to do. And it's normally used to building muscle and things like that. But like, how can we get it to go even farther? And that's where steroids will, will take and It'll do that stuff, but it causes all sorts of other problems. And, you know, I think people kind of forget that our body, um, it has this homeostasis that it's trying to get to all the time. And it's trying to, it, it wants to keep you alive. I mean, it's designed to keep you alive. You breathe because you, you stay alive. And so we become, we all want the pill, Um, I love that you brought up how important food is, because we stress that a lot, even within our own, within the Warrior Life Academy and everything we're talking with our members. Like we talk about that foundation before you learn all the sexy skills of jumping over the hood of a car and blasting away like you're John Wick. It's like it's brain, body and backbone. It's like, how do you support the foundational structure of who you are as a person? Because you're no good to your family if you're not healthy. If you are like overweight, if you have like, well, take this as an example, we're talking about, we're talking about medications and things like that in an austere environment or where our supply chains are down, where you don't have access to a pharmacy. So no matter what your skills are, how much gear you have, how many supplies you have, whatever you developed, if you are now um, really hobbled by your long-term medication isn't there, and so now you don't have the strength or you don't, you're, you're at a higher risk because of, um, because you don't have those medications, what good is all the gear? What good is all the the training that you did and everything else, right? So this is one of those areas that's really key for being more prepared for any sort of a a disaster or anything like that. And, but again, I think it's, people love to just, just give me the pill. Oh, yep, the pill works. Or I'll just buy the gear. Yep, check the box there. And I think a lot of people that have tried to really use things like you're talking about feel that they don't work. And you say, um, in looking at like your training, that, Oftentimes herbs don't seem to work for people because they're simply not using them correctly. So it's not just a matter of, yeah, I took that and it didn't work. Um, they might be sabotaging what could be a very powerful solution for them. So so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making when, you know, they're trying to use herbs, but it could be sabotaging the effectiveness of those herbs that they're trying to take?
1: Yeah. One of the biggest issues that I see when people are using herbs is they very much want to treat them like you would a pill. You take it once a day, maybe you take it twice a day. But the way that herbs work within the body, they really need, especially for acute medical condition versus chronic. So what I mean by that is like when you have a cold, that is something where all of a sudden you start to have immediate symptoms, right? So those are acute symptoms where you have a fever perhaps, or you have a sore throat, you know, you start to feel getting congested and all of those telltale signs that let us know we've probably got a cold or a flu virus coming on. So those are acute situations. Whereas when you have chronic situations Of course, those are kind of more where we look at, you know, diseases or maybe long-term inflammation for something like osteoarthritis, you know, those types of things. And so the way that you use herbs is, one, is it an acute situation that we're immediately trying to work on? Or is this a chronic situation? Because when you are treating something like a cold or a flu type issue, you are going to be taking those herbs multiple times throughout the day versus once in the morning and once in the evening or once a day. Now, if it's a chronic situation, if you're having a flare-up, you are going to probably treat it very similar as an acute. But then you're going to back off, and it's going to be more of a maintenance thing, kind of how we think of, like you said, with supplements, right? Like, you know, if you take vitamin D once, you're probably not going to raise your levels a whole lot, and it's not going to be effective for you during the winter months if you have a vitamin D sufficiency because you live so far north. Uh But if you take it every day, then you are going to to notice that. But it's not like that immediate where you take something and you have immediate relief. Like if you're super congested Mm -hmm. and then you take that decongestant or I hope that you do the herbal um, option instead, but you immediately get relief. And so I think it's 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 managing your expectations and looking at what are we dealing with. And then, so getting your dosing right as far as frequency based on what it is you're using, but really it's choosing the correct herb for you personally, as well as choosing the right herb and the timing of whatever it is that you're trying to treat. So for example, if you are coming down with a virus, a lot of people have heard about echinacea that if you use echinacea that's going to help you with a cold and that is absolutely true so echinacea does have immune boosting properties which is great so if we can boost our immune system that's going to likely shorten the duration that we would have a virus and or stop us the virus from developing if our immune system is at tip-top shape it starts to see that invader come in and it's like nope you're out of here so with echinacea, though, there is very much a timing issue, and this is where understanding and knowing how that herb works is critical, because echinacea's antiviral properties only work in the beginning stages before the virus has went into the cell and begins replicating. So once a virus is in the cell and you hit replication mode, echinacea can't actually doesn't get into the cell so once it's in the cell, it can't touch it. Now, it can still help your immune system, and that is going to be helpful and a benefit. But the real place where echinacea shines as far as an antiviral is in the first 24 hours when you just start to feel like that tickle, like you'd like, I think I'm coming down with something, because the virus has not entered into the cells yet at that point. It's more usually in the upper respiratory system, et cetera. So if you use echinacea at the minute, that you feel something coming on, it can actually kill the virus before it gets into the cells and you'll never get the full blown... Well, in most cases, I should say, you can't never say never... But in most cases, you're going to kill the virus before it's into the cells and replicating, and therefore you don't actually come down with a full cold, or you may just be not feeling so hot for maybe a couple of days versus full-blown case. So the timing there is essential both in the lifespan of the virus and how it works in the body, um, but also then multiple times a day timing-wise. So how much you take it. Also, as I said, really having a clear understanding of how that herb, if it's an antiviral or antibacterial, et cetera, what is its mechanism? How does it actually work? And most people, unfortunately, either don't know where to find that information um, or don't look deep enough. And so they just say, oh, it doesn't work because you started echinacea on day three of your cold when you already felt horrible and it was already all throughout your system inside the cells. So it wasn't that it didn't work. You just didn't know how to take it at the right time.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and and um, I think it's. Just, I mean, that's why when, when you get prescription medications, if anybody even looks at them, but there's like a you know three page booklet that c- comes with it about when to take it, how to take it, how it can interact with different things, and so, and that's another. I think that's another area where somebody might be taking another herb or might be on medications or something else that might be interacting with it. That's not. That might be sabotaging it, or I mean, you've really got to know what those different interactions are. And I guess you know, again, I think, and I think a lot of people when they go to the doctor and they say, "Well, what other medications are you on?" Don't necessarily think about the herbal stuff that they're taking that could be interacting as well, and which could could reduce the effectiveness of either one of those. Um, I think uh, I think one of the other challenges for people is anybody who's ever been to like Whole Whole Paycheck, Whole Foods, or some other like natural supplement store to buy to buy herbs for their health is probably been met with with sticker shock and, and you know and then there's those times when you do go to the shelves of your local pharmacy and there's this giant bottle that looks like the exact same thing of what you just saw maybe online or at another health food store but it's a fraction of the cost right you go into costco and they've got like like 50 gallon drums of things like at no cost whatsoever so It's hard, like, it it would seem like, well, I'll just buy that stuff. I'm saving a bunch of money. It's got to be the same thing, right? So how can someone tell what really works in the options that they have out there for herbs um, and make an educated purchase in the process?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the things is when we we look at herbs, the FDA does not control the herbs, which is one of the beautiful things, right? Because we don't have to have a prescription. We don't have to have all of these different things in order to go and buy herbal supplements from stores, order them online like you do with prescription medications. So on the one hand, I'm very grateful that the FDA is not involved with the herb industry. On the other hand, with herbs, and I don't necessarily There are some companies, yes, that are out to make a buck. They're going to adulterate or they're not gonna put the full potency in in order to save money and because they're not super regulated because they are herbal supplements that can happen but more so what i think is you have with your herbs there are certain times of the harvest when they are going to be more potent as far as the medicinal properties. And so if you have mass farms that are looking, and you don't really have a lot of mass farms with herbs, especially in the U.S., and so that's why you're not going to oftentimes find them as cheap, because the more we do in bulk, which is why Costco can get us such good deals, right, because they go to a a company and say, hey, we can get you in front of, I have no idea how many millions customers Costco has, but it's big. And they can say, we're going to get your product in front of this many customers, and so They give Costco this extremely good deal knowing it's this large volume and assuming it's going to benefit them, but that's how you get those prices so low. Well, when it comes to herbs, you don't generally have a lot of large industrial size herb farms like we do with food, so good and bad there. So sometimes herbs are brought in from overseas, you know, are brought in and to put into supplements. And again, you know, knowing on how they're grown, potency and all of that, as well as the harvest time. So, for example, with echinacea specifically, when you are harvesting the root of an herb, you want to harvest that in the fall when the herb is dying back. And that's because as it dies back, it takes all of the medicinal properties, and it puts them into the root so that it can store them over the winter months, and then it's going to put them into growth in the spring. So if you go to harvest that root in the middle of summer when that plant is growing and all the flowers are on and everything, you're actually getting a much, much lower medicinal dose in that root because you're harvesting it at the wrong time for when its potency is stored. And so you can have people who might not notice that, or if they're farming it largely, that they're just going to harvest it when it's convenient so that they can get it on the store shelves when needed. So I personally either, like, grow it yourself. So many of these herbs are incredibly easy to grow yourself, and then you're not dependent on knowing, is this even what this bottle says it is? Um, Or finding a smaller mint... Company like a small family farm, small herb company uh, that you can talk to them where they're growing it on site or growing it on farm, and they're not just going to some of uh, you know large companies where they're just getting in bulk, you know, these pounds of herbs that have maybe been sitting on a warehouse shelf for a month uh, not a month, like a year before you actually get them. You know, they can be years old, and with plants and with herbs. They do decrease from their harvest time. So if you have an herb that's two to three years old, it likely doesn't have very much medicinal properties left in it. I mean, ideally, within a year, twelve months from harvest, is when you're going to have the maximum potency, provided it was harvested at the correct time.
0: So that I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, control it yourself. Uh, I personally, I kill every house plant I think I've ever owned. Um, and we have a homestead project right now. My girlfriend and I have a homestead project that we're, we're going through right now because I'm trying to get over this lack of a green thumb that I have. So we don't currently we don't have like we have some uh, dietary herbs that we use, which also probably have some medicinal purposes there also. Um, and it seems like it's been pretty easy. So, for example, like I had some uh, so we, we do juicing a lot and it took some ginger and it was all shriveled up and you know it was like okay well I'm, this is something we're going either going to throw in the compost or whatever and we just stuck it in a a planter outside of the window and just left it there and um sure enough like i think it was like a couple weeks later all of a sudden something started coming out of it i don't even know if it's the ginger frankly i don't even know there's something's coming out of there i don't know what it is but <laughs> i'm guessing that's what it is but how how hard is it for people like knuckleheads like me to grow their own herbs for medicinal purposes like do you need a lot of room for it do you need to be uh, in the right location for it can you, is it something you can do indoors like what are some of the things that that would make it accessible for us
1: yeah i love this question because we raise over 75 percent of our own fruit for the year for our family of four here and about 60 percent of our vegetables for the year i do not do houseplants i can't keep houseplants alive and the reason for that is because plants don't they aren't meant to be grown indoors for the most part. Now there's some things you'll have to bring in in winter if you're trying to grow a plant outside of its normal native environment and your winters are so cold it would die and you're bringing it indoors to keep it alive. But truly, most plants were not designed to grow indoors. And that's why a lot of people have problems with houseplants or you get obsessed with keeping them alive and once you start growing houseplants, you're, you're doing all these tips and tricks in order to keep them alive because you're trying to mimic nature because that's what the plant needs in order to survive. So for any of those people out there who also kill houseplants, you are in good company, but it is really easy to grow herbs. The great thing is, is we usually don't need is a huge, large volume, whereas you're not looking at acres or even necessarily a really large backyard in order to grow even a year's worth of specific herbs. And you're right, a lot of those culinary herbs like rosemary, oregano, thyme, sage, Tulsi, holy basil, for example, those, when you take them medicinally, you're going to be taking them at much higher doses than you would just for culinary. But a lot of those herbs that people are already growing just to you know, give great flavor to their cooking, et cetera, those can also be used medicinally. You're just going to be, as I said, you're going to be using those as a, at a, a therapeutic dose where you're using a higher amount multiple times per day than what you would just be to flavor food. So really with just a few backyard pots, you can grow a significant amount of herbs as well as just in your landscaping. So if you even have just like a small little area, like a little bed just next to the house or maybe up to the walkway that's leading up to it, you can really grow a lot of herbs and there's a lot of herbs that are perennials meaning they come back year after year we're not having to seed start them you know or buy them every year once you get them in the ground and those are my favorites because i like things that i don't have to baby and every year i can just go out and harvest what i need and then it comes back for me the next year so the key for growing these herbs is knowing what is their natural native environment and then your job is to give them as close to that as possible so for example i live in northern western washington state so i'm pretty close to the canadian border we get a lot of snow we have a lot of freezing so i'm not going to be able to grow things that can't survive our cold temps and our really cold winters so i can either try to overwinter them in the house um, or a pick items that already are going to grow well here. So like elderberries do very well here. Echinacea does really well here. All of the mints, mint family does well here. There's a lot that I can grow, but I'm not ever going to be able to grow some of those more exotic like spices that need that warmer, warmer type. I'm not going to bring them indoors just because I don't have time to baby plants, to be honest. <laughs> they either make, they make it or they don't here. And so just... Doing some education on what herbs are going to actually grow in your area and focusing on those. And the great news is is there's so many herbs that where we have with prescription medications, you kind of have just this set few amount of medications in most cases that work for a specific thing or for a specific thing. But when it comes to herbs, because there's literally thousands of herbs and there's usually at least 20 herbs that can all be used for the same thing. So you'll be able to find something that will grow in your environment so that you can grow it yourself and that works for you. And so that's one of the things is figuring out what works for you and each person um, and we have some things that, that I know we're going to be sharing about a, a class that I have coming up um, where we're going to really be diving into that. So people have a criteria to know, how do I find what's best for me? Because even like with prescription drugs, you've got one person who can take a medication. It doesn't do anything for them, or they're highly allergic to it, where the, and somebody else can take the exact same medications and have phenomenal results. So even within our prescription world, you still have things that don't work for every single person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I mean, w- what I'm kind of taking from this, if people are looking for, basically, like, how do we incorporate, like, they can be they can be sold on the concept that, okay, herbs can be very powerful for me, they can help replace prescription medications either now. And that's one of the things I like about it is that these are things that can help you now, not just like later on, like it can boost your immune now. So you don't get sick, it can help you now. So, so I, I like all of that. And then there's, of course, the the benefits, if there is no resupply there. But you know, so for, I think one is you talk a lot about personalization. So personalizing, like what what are your needs? Because just because you can grow it, doesn't mean it's going to be any use for you, or you you would even need it. So, kind of really getting down what your uh, your plan is based upon you personally. So if somebody has a chronic condition, or more susceptible to colds, or just you know what your you know what your medical history is, and you know what maybe you need to guard against. So that's. That's, you know, first thing you have to know is your destination. Like, where do you want to get to? So, and then is to understand which herbs can actually help that ailment, like which ones are going to be beneficial for you. And as you say, there might be several that are there, but the next step, I think also that you talk about where it's like, okay, once you identify the ones that can help you and have been proven to help, then... Where do you live that they're going to grow naturally in that area could be another consideration there. So it seems like there's a real like flow of logic here to find some ways to help people customize their own program for the space that you have, um, just some outdoor pots the part of the country that you live in how it's going to affect you what's been proven to affect and then what exactly are you even trying to accomplish with it it seems like there's a very easy process for people to use there i think the and then being able to grow it yourselves that's that's a uh, a big benefit that you're not going to again because you can still be dependent upon other people making your herbs for you when that might not be there for survival purposes like for our audience i know a lot yeah. of times we look at we have to be self sufficient we have to be self reliant and so if you're used to well okay great i know about herbs these are the ones that work for me i can go to costco buy a giant drum of it i'm good to go but then if that's not available and you still need that support how are you going to do it and i love the fact that these are easy they want to grow outside like they they're they have their natural environment so how to, and how to do that so is it um so let's go to the next step from there so people have identified those things and Can you give us an example of maybe something that would be beneficial for them, whether it's immune boosting or something like that, when it comes to, uh, maybe, maybe choosing the right one, but then also like harvesting it. Like, what do I do with this thing? I'm looking at a plant now. I'm used to using, I'm used to looking at a pill, a capsule, and it's already like powdered up and everything else. Like I've got a, I have a ginger plant now. Like I know I can take the root out and I can go juice it. But, um, so like what? What can people do with this? What are the different ways? Do they need to dry them? Do they need to make their own capsules? Like, what are the different ways that people can use the herbs for their, their uh, health benefits?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. So one is, is harvesting. So general rule of thumb, as we were talking about roots as for an example earlier. So general rule of thumb is if you're harvesting the root of the plant, you wanna do it when the top leafy or flowering growth part is in dormancy. So usually that is fall throughout early spring depending on, you know, your climate. So just if you keep that in mind, if I'm harvesting the root of the plant, this is when I want to harvest it for medicinal properties. Now, when it comes to the blossom or the leaves, depending on on what the plant is, that you actually, at time of day, so in the morning or the late evening, but the cool of the day, because during the heat of day, the plant is going to send some of those essential oils back down towards the stem and the root just because it's hot and so to get the maximum benefit it's going to be morning or early evening and then it's going to be spring throughout summer because that's when the plant is putting in most cases is putting all of its energy into those leaf growth and into creating blossoms because usually it's the blossom that then creates the seed and allows that plant to continue growing throughout you know all the rest of eternity um, as far as the plant's concerned that's how it survives so that's where it's going to be putting its energy so if you just keep that in mind roots in fall and winter, and then the spring and summer for flower and leaf part. Now, when it comes to how you're going to preserve it, there's actually a lot of, of there's options, which is great. So you can dry it, and I would say in most cases that's going to be your safest bet is to dry it. The good news is leaves and flowers, you don't even need a dehydrator. You can just hang those out of sun, actually. Sometimes that surprises someone. You want it to have good airflow, but you don't really want it to be in direct sun because that can bleach it. Um, you know, it can start to take away a little bit of those properties. So just in a like a covered back porch that's got a lot of good airway or indoors, et cetera, you don't have to have a dehydrator. So get that dehydrated and then you can do, which is basically a fancy way of saying a really strong tea, but you may have heard the term herbal infusion. So that's where you're just putting those dried herbs into hot water and you're letting it steep for a longer period of time than you would for just a cup of tea for flavor wise to really make it a strong medicinal tea. So that's what an herbal infusion is then you've got where you can powder them and put them in capsules. So if that's something that you're used to doing, um, you can get a capsule machine and make your own herbal capsules, especially if you're wanting to do some different herbal blends uh, or if you're on the go when you just you don't want to be having to take you know boiling water and everything to make tea. I prefer to use capsules in the summer months, to be honest, because it's hot. I don't want to drink a hot cup of tea for some of this stuff. Um, you can also do tinctures. So a lot of times for roots in order to extract the medicinal properties, a lot of times our roots don't have a lot of water sol. they're not water soluble. So you need alcohol in order to pull those medicinal properties out when we're talking about roots. And so that's why a lot of time with roots, you'll see them made into an alcohol tincture. The great thing about that is an alcohol tincture is shelf stable for years. I mean, you can have an alcohol tincture that still, you know, has a lot of potency, completely safe, etc. And it's 10 years old. So for some things, you might not even have to grow that plant every single year. If you grow a decent sized amount, and you tincture it up, because with tinctures, you're taking an extremely small dose, it's like 30 drops, like a little eyedropper full, some even less than that, depending upon their, their potency. And so you could grow, you know, five years worth of an herb in one summer and then you tincture it and there it is in this bottle on your shelf completely shelf stable for years on end Um, so usually it's drying it um, to do teas um, or to infuse in oils if we're looking at topical things Um, if you're going to infuse it into oils then drying is your best measure because oil and water don't mix and we don't want mold um, or that type of thing. So drying the herb, then infusing it into the oil, and then making different topical ointments and salves is a great way to go. So if you're ever in doubt, just dry it. And then you can put it into other applications further down the road.
0: There's obviously a lot of information here. You did bring up that you've got a class that's coming up. And uh, maybe when people hear this, it might be just about to come out or, or whatever. But um, so what are what kinds of things will you, will you be covering in in that workshop and in that course?
1: yeah so we're going to be going through how you pick which herbs based on constitutes are going to be best for you because as i said it's really important to understand your body and what your body's needs are and matching that herb to it so that you do get the best efficacy and the best for you. We're gonna be going over herbal safety because there is safety things that you need to know. Sometimes that's how an herb is prepared and sometimes it's interactions. Like there's certain herbs, as I said, my daughter has a blood clotting disorder and she can't take some of those even in the herbal world. She can't take them because it's going to affect her clotting cascade. So if you're on blood thinning medications, for example, there are certain herbs that you shouldn't be taking because they're gonna exasperate that. So we're gonna be going over safety. And then we're really gonna be talking about for cold and flu because that's something most of us deal with at some point, usually every year, not always, um, but it's something that's very common that you're gonna be dealing with at some point. And so having knowing exactly like i said with the echinacea talking about knowing that timing so going we'll to be going over my two favorite herbs and all that you need to know about using them for timing for safety and also potency we're going to be talking about those specifically for cold and flu so it's going to be a really great live session we're going to have a ton of q a opportunity at the end so i'm really excited just because i know the power of herbs that i've had in my own life and once people once you get into it and i realize i'm like why did nobody tell me about this sooner? Like, how did I go this long and not, not realize? I mean, like I'm looking out my window right now and there's all my medicine that I'm gonna go harvest in the next few weeks uh, to put up for our winter months. And it's really incredible. And one of the things I actually wanted to say earlier when you were talking about is, is us being able to raise it ourselves, but even not, if you can find people in your community Because you can raise, like I said, five years worth of something when it comes to herbs in a pretty small space. So if your neighbor, and especially in emergency situations, that's when I rely on my neighbors. Like when we flood here and we're cut off on our road, we kind of end up being a little island it's my neighbors, like we're going and helping them, they're coming and helping us. And so if you can find that even before an emergency and work within your community, you might not be able to grow all 10 herbs that you want. But if you grow three, and someone down the streets grows three, and then you guys exchange them, then you've got this really small concentrated supply chain. And it's really great to have folks who are aligned close where you can help one another out with that. So Yes, come to the class, but also look within your neighborhood or your close proximity and see if there's some people where you can align yourself with them.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's per- that's right in line with what we're trying to get across to people is like, you know, don't try and lone wolf it. There's a way to, to work with like-minded people um, for everybody, you know, everybody to benefit from it. So so that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to the training, Melissa. Uh, this is And that's perfect timing for us because... We're just starting our homesteading project, and we're just uh, just getting things in the ground now. So I'm really looking forward to this. I've learned so much from this that I had no idea how much was happening inside of that plant that I just had never. Uh, I guess I've, I was slept. I was sleeping a lot in high school, so I didn't pay attention. Though. But um, but this is awesome. So thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Listen, everybody. Um, I hope you join me for the class. This is something that we treat, really try to get across people, but it's one of those mystery areas where it seems like it's it's difficult to tap into things that we may have struggled with in the past, understanding herbs, growing herbs, those types, of th- those types of things. We know that they can be powerful for us, but they become this mystical, like uh, it's not worth the uh, the squeeze or the juice isn't worth the squeeze or something like that, right? So, so I, I hope what this got across to you is that it can be easy, but what, what's required is for you to really customize it to your plan, but also know the right path to take. So you're not wasting time. Getting frustrated with the process and doing things the wrong way, harvesting things the wrong way, which I didn't—I had no clue before—but harvesting them wrong, and then wondering why didn't they work? These things don't work. So uh, I hope you'll join us for the class. There, definitely, uh, we'll put up a link for it, and we'll get it out to all of our members so that you know when the class is happening. Uh, we'll send it out to uh, com slash herbs is where we will we'll be able to send people. And then in the meantime, go ahead and check out Melissa's website. She's got a lot of great training there and she's got a great presence online with some of the videos that she's done for how you can do certain things from the entire homesteading spectrum that's there. So, so definitely check that out over at MelissaKNorris.com. And that's Norris with an N on there. So uh, go check her out at her website. And until the next time we meet, live like a warrior. survive